welcome to She Spotlight. I'm Tony Gripper. And I'm Kate Roger. Thank you for joining us for deep dialogues about the feminine. Intimate, informative, global investigations about understanding the contemporary feminine wave. Where are we and how do we move with it? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of She Spotlight. I'm Kate Roger. I'm Tony Gripper. And we're here together again, thank Goddess, for another dive into the deep. And today we had a whole really interesting uh, conversation in store in heart and mind. And Tony sent me something this morning, an article that has to do with the uh, the power of language. And that's something that she knows that I'm really, really interested in. I'm just going to like hand the mic over to Tony and let her um, mm-hmm. share what she sent me. Tony Morrison died yesterday. So, of course, she's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Lots of tributes have been paid to her. And I was online and came across an article called Rewire News. And she is the only Black woman who has ever received a Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. And in 1993, when she was accepting it, she, I want to share with you what she said. Mm-hmm. In her 1993 Nobel lecture, Morrison explicated the dangers of tongue suicide, which is common among the infantile heads of state and power merchants whose evacuated language leaves them with no access to what is human. So tongue suicide is the rousing language to keep citizens armed and arming, slaughtered and slaughtering in the malls, courthouses, post offices, playgrounds, bedrooms, and boulevards. It is the language to countenance rape, torture, assassination. With an uncanny prophetic voice, Morrison said to that assembly in Stockholm a quarter of a century ago that such language was crafted to lock creative people in cages. So I had to share that with Kate. I was very moved to share that with her. And she made a suggestion Mm -hmm. um, that we're just going to roll with by doing something new. Yeah, well, yes, as I said at the top of our time here, Together, we had a whole other <laughs> adventure that we were going to dive into, and that one can be placed on hold. Well, in the immediacy of this, you know, what this article and what so many know inherently is this woman, Toni Morrison, she really, really affected the fabric of the entire collective all over the whole world. And not only is she, you know, the only black woman to ever receive the Nobel? She opened up conversations. She, she, it's like she cracked the code in a certain way. She opened up, as we all know, and the atmosphere for true, authentic dialogue and the, a responsibility that we have with in life, period, the way that we are with each other. And because she is, was such an alchemist with language, 
and understood the power and the creativity of that and, and how it, when it touched the fabric of our consciousness, it really radiated out into every place. There's no place where, even if people, you know, on some place on the planet have never heard of her, which is hard to imagine, <laughs> though possible for sure, she touched the lives of everyone on the whole planet. And when Tony sent this to me this morning, I opened it up right before we were hopping aboard here, and her keen understanding of how language impacts every moment. I mean, it's just like, it's something that I've been talking about for years within all of the trainings and workshops and teachings and, and stuff that mm-hmm. I've been doing. And uh, thank you so much for sending that to me, Tony. I mean, yeah, Tony. <laughs> Tony. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Language is creative. Words yes. have power. We talked a little bit about the fact that she calls it tongue suicide. And in my head, I think it's tongue homicide as well. Because language is power, those messages get internalized. When you're calling human beings vermin, saying that them just being in the world is an infestation. I'm really emotional right now. You know, Tony died yesterday, I should Mm -hmm. say Ms. Morrison died yesterday, but over the weekend, we had two more mass shootings. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful that in El Paso, they use the term domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. Before that, if it was a, a white man, they started talking about how he grew up, misunderstood, lonely, mental illness. To excuse uh, certain behavior. So I'm just grateful that we're calling a pot a pot. Yes, and thank you so much for sharing that. And it is according to the way that, that the humans are labeling everything, right? And we have this uh, label that we call terrorist, like that person or that group of people are terrorists or that person is a terrorist. There's just like, my mind is like totally, because what you just said about like looking at the, you know, how a person grew up and who they were, what they were impacted by, you know, it it makes me think of the epigenetics and all of that, though I don't necessarily feel that that's a wrong track to take with someone who has walked into a place and obliterated people's lives. Though the huge uh, disconnect and wrong behavior is to not do that with everyone across the board. Or to do that across the board, which means white privilege. Right. You can talk about mental illness with uh, people of color they don't talk about how they were raised. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is that we, mm-hmm. if we're going to be doing it with white people, with the white man who somehow gets access to an assault weapon, and we don't do it with someone who isn't wearing their seatbelt and it's because they're black and they ended up getting shot in their car or whatever it is, you know, 
Mm. It's just Mm -hmm. like, we need to be talking. I feel like we need to be talking about like across the board, what are the systems that are in place that enable a conversation around one skin color to be directed in one way, one skin color to be directed in another way. You know, it's just, it's so freaking obvious to me how not only disrespectful, how like in, it's just so incoherent. It, it doesn't make sense. And so when we label someone a terrorist, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way to understand what is happening, though implicit in that also is there is a sense of otherness. And mm-hmm. where I'm coming from and what I'm interested in, of course, as you well know, Tony, is right relationship. And so it, there's so many rollbacks that we need to be doing human to human, human to human, human to human, human to human, human to human. We're actually seeing, okay, and authentically presencing with these systems aren't working. And so what can work, what can work. And, And I know that that's one of the things that you and I are up to here. And in terms of language, as the Queen Morrison has reminded us just in traveling back all the way to 1993 and hearing her words. And I love that mm-hmm. you said, you know, tongue homicide for real, because people like it's the responsibility that comes with how the language is fit together. And I know, you know, I, I'm no perfect example, that's for sure. And it's like where the, the thing about languages that I, that I've seen in all of my, you know, watching the power of language is language is an attempt to present an idea or something that's a force, an energetic force that's being introduced now. Language is actually, as you said, it's an act of creativity. It's an act of creation. When we shape sound onto our breath, it's an automatic narrowing of something. And then not only is the person who is speaking shaping their intent with language to convey something when it releases into the atmosphere then it's like well what are the ears that are listening experiencing with what has just been released so there's all these different filters going on too you know i remember well i'm just going to be quiet for a moment What's coming up for me, Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, like what can, you you had the question, what can be done? What can be done? And what comes to mind is the reconciliation process that was in play in South Africa, Mm -hmm. which required both parties, black Africans and white Africans to tell the truth, talk about their experiences and each heard the other. Mm-hmm. I don't remember whether or not people were punished for confessing to past crimes, but what I do know is that the healing started to begin based on what I've read and what I've heard from people that participated in that process. 
we need to tell the truth. We need to tell the stories mm-hmm. the way an individual or group of people have experienced it. And until we do that, I don't think there can be healing. Um, probably yeah. suicide is in place to oppress, to kill, to wipe out, to squeeze the life out of someone. Mm-hmm. It's my perspective. So everyone's shocked <laughs> at Marianne Williamson talking about the history of slavery, the promise of 40 acres and a mule, mm-hmm. her computing that to what it, uh, it would be in a dollar figure now. But she just laid it out because nobody wants to talk about those centuries of oppression well, for humans own humans. And it's still going on today. It is still mm-hmm. freaking going on today. Though I'm so grateful that she's like really detailing it as pointedly as she is. And tongue suicide, tongue homicide, people, I agree like beyond that we need to be hearing or they need to be speaking. People need to be speaking about their experiences, right? Everyone does. And mm-hmm. be listening too. Listening is actually, I feel mm-hmm. like, the more, in a way, it's the more important component that we are listening without mm-hmm. forming any kind of response in our mind, that we're just listening. I wonder if there's any um, recordings, like if they videotaped any of those sessions in South Africa. They did. That and would be interesting to see. Yeah. It would be, and I'll, I'll see if I can find that actual, it was restorative justice, and it was called mm-hmm. the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Now, I want to go back to something else that you said. Mm-hmm. We have Marianne Williamson stating facts that have been stated by people of color forever. What's happening now has been going on forever, and it reminds me, Sometimes people in relationships say, oh, I told this person multiple times, but when they heard it from someone they weren't in relationship with, they heard it differently mm-hmm. and attached to it. To it. Mm-hmm. Because Marianne is white mm-hmm. and is a presidential candidate, it has more impact and more power. Mm-hmm. If it's a person of color, you can just say they're playing the race card again. Mm-hmm. She's using her white privilege. How it comes from her, you know, people are being kind of, I hate to use the term, slapped in the face with the truth, which gets people an opportunity to start thinking about what's going on. That's what needs to happen. With people who have white skin, they need to start using that so that we can actually rewire the operating systems of the, you know, of the human constructs that we're all knowingly and unknowingly, insidiously impacted by, subscribed to, uh, mm-hmm. living, living, you know, and, and agreeing with. And, man, I, I'm so grateful that she is doing that. And I'm so grateful that for all of the ones, all of the African Americans who have been beating the drum, you know, it really, really is time time is up and you know one of the things you were talking about these um reconciliation 
moments in South Africa, Tony. One of the things that I heard about Mandela when he was elected president is that he hired in his uh, in official capacities people who had men, white African men, who were prison guards and who had, you know, treated him heinously. They had gone through a series of events and experiences where each one was changed. Mm -hmm. The guard, Mr. Mandela, I have to give it up for him because Mm -hmm. I'm not that evolved. Oh my gosh. But what a great demonstration of love, power, and generosity and forgiveness. Humanity. Humanity. Yep. So I may be one of the minds that Toni Morrison talks about when she says that tongue suicide is common among the infantile heads of state and power merchants. I'm affected. I participate in that suicide as well. Even though my intention is not to do that, Mm -hmm. I can find myself saying, let me reframe that or let me edit that. Mm -hmm. Or time passes and I I have a different understanding of the impact of my words once I'm away from a situation. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Tony. I'm thinking about our introduction episode, right? And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I said, and I knew when I said it, that it was a hot word to use in terms of what's meaningful for me, what I'm committed to in the world. And something says, go ahead and put it out here because it's a, it's a, it can be a talking point and I'm going to bring it up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have brought it up with you before where in that episode, I said that with you, I feel safe. Do you mm-hmm. remember I said that? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And how did that resonate for you? My heart opened up a little bit. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was honored by that statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just got still. So mm-hmm. it was good to hear. So I'm going to share what happened for me. <laughs> okay. Because it, like, that fierce feeling of safety with you absolutely refers to your consciousness, right? Though there's an entire conversation in the field right now around me as a white woman feeling safe, quote unquote, with a black woman because things are altered to my reality. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm really clear that I am the beneficiary of the system in place. I'm really clear about that. And, I w- and I ha- mm-hmm. I've always been given these indicators throughout my life where I'm like, wow. I know that even like when I was first learning to drive and I probably wasn't a great driver, I knew though in certain moments that I was being given a pass that I didn't have to worry because of the color of my skin. I really knew that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for the, you know, in particular the ladies of color who are on the front lines right now. I'm so, I just bow before them for all of the conversations that they're putting out there. And, and 
the life energy and uh, that they're using in order to get these conversations lit up, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it, I, I'm very clear that it's not your job to create safety for me. <laughs> and, Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. I, I, I was definitely, um, when you said that, when we had that conversation and you said you felt safe, I know you on a personal level. I know you right. on a soul level. Mm -hmm. I also realized that there have been many times that I've been in the cultural mammy mm -hmm. position is what I call it, where there is a draw or a pull or an expectation that I'm going to make it okay for the white woman, for the white people, mm -hmm. that I need to comfort you. And that's not the dynamic that I have with you, mm -hmm. but that is the dynamic that exists. Yeah. And so, so let's just <clears throat> place that into the space right now, because I'm sure people are going to be, in, you know, wondering about that as they get to know us. And I think an important ongoing dialogue that you and I get to have in terms of the, it just turns my stomach that you have had to care for people because of and make it okay that you're in the space with them because of the color of your skin and their skin. It just it mm -hmm. makes me want to vomit. Like my stomach is, you know, and it is what it is. We have to go beyond the conversation of that makes me nauseous. We have to go to the place of like, okay, so what do we do? What, what then do we actually do? Not talk about, uh, rectification and coherence and a rewiring and a recoding of the system. What do we do? And my first answer to that, and I'm so grateful that Ms. Morrison is with us this morning. My first mm -hmm. answer is let's shut up and listen. Very good. That is challenging for me. I do more talking than listening and the listening was a key part of that Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Listening. Abusers listened to people that had been abused. Mm -hmm. I think we will begin with that. And the other thing uh, is, the other key is not only listening, but being willing to sit in the discomfort and mm -hmm. the pain or the shame. The slogan now is, get comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. because something new is coming forth. Yep. You're going to hear things you've never heard before, perhaps, or see things you've never seen before. And I feel like I keep going back to the negative, but I saw an image yesterday that broke my heart. And it was a picture of a black man. Mm -hmm. I think it was handcuffed and they had a rope tied him with a rope and he was between two police officers that were on horses and they were walking oh him down God. the street take him to jail. And this, this was the yesterday? <laughs> the, it was, I think it may have happened Monday, but I saw the image. Okay. And my first react after I got over the horror and despicableness of the image, mm -hmm. the fact that it actually happened, then I wanted to know what the chief of police had to say. And he's a black man. Mm -hmm. And 
his response was the officers uh, exhibited bad judgment. When I see that, it conjures up a past that I haven't lived in my own body, but I know that my ancestors have. Absolutely. You know, I was reading about um, the epigenetic influences of DNA and uh, how everything, you know, we know because of our training and, and, and what we together have uh, explored, we know that everything is one. We're all connected. This study of epigenetics, which is relatively a new area of scientific exploration, is really, really powerful because it really proves, it shows uh, logically, you know, for the mind, it shows our interconnectedness and, and further it shows how we're influenced by everything. There's nothing that isn't influencing the all. And okay. that and that includes in the time space continuum and extra, like supra time space continuum, like no time space continuum. So everything is affecting everything, always. It's just the way it is. And the memories that are in your system, the memories that are in my system, from our ancestral everything, even, interestingly enough, the food that they consumed, all of that information, that energetic information is encoded in the systems of everyone. So, okay, in this particular life, I'm this white lady, you're a black lady, an African-American lady. And all, so it, it's just interesting because, to me in a way because there's this, we're feeling and experiencing this insidious activation of, it's almost regressive conversation. It seems like it's regressive because we've had this civil rights movement and it's been going on all along. It's not like this new thing, mm-hmm. we, you know. Though there are those places in people of color that are getting enlivened because they're like just you confronting that image, it enlivens something in you that was like, holy shit, like what am I looking at? Right, what century is it? Yeah, like where mm-hmm. is it? And, and in the activation of that, Okay, so then what do you do with the activation of that? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's like, so I believe that the activations that you're saying, like, get comfortable or not being uncomfortable because this is what is absolutely necessary. This agitation is absolutely necessary to wake the fuck up, you know, all of us and go, okay, wait, hold on a second. This isn't even, it's not even. A, a conversation I, I'm thinking I'm feeling it's not even a conversation of right relationship it's a conversation of like what is actually true and the truth is the the fundamental scientific truth is is that we're all connected and that's the divine feminine right the collaboration that you were speaking about on our last episode together we're interdependent creatures not only with the other humans with all of life and mm-hmm that's really like ground zero in terms of like us, us going, okay, like who are we to each other? It's really ground zero. Like 
we don't have to survive anymore. We have made it to over 7 billion creatures. We don't have to fight for our lives to propagate the species. And so this sense of otherness, that needs to be alchemized. It needs to be transmuted into a different way of operating that there, and, and an understanding that there actually is no other. That's a deep lesson because it's totally counter to Western culture. Mm-hmm. There is the other. We can blame the other. It's because of the other. Mm-hmm. And what I also hear at the same time is acknowledge the interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther King said, no one is free until we are all free. Correct. And the speaking, the listening has to happen. And I don't know if it's willingness, but there, there has to be people people out in front that are creating opportunities or bringing the truth so that we can have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. This is part of the dialogue. It is. And being uncomfortable is absolutely freaking necessary. We have to because we have to shatter the conventional paradigms, the conventional human-made constructs that are are absolutely like they're infantile as Ms. Morrison said infantile seriously I mean we've got to at least become 17 year olds and the other thing I think about too Tony is this USA this country this empire actually is like according to all of the paperwork how old are we like 200 you're a little bit over 200 years old, like 250 years old, just about, right? That is not very old. That's not very old. As a country. As a country, as a country. That's what you think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and, and I think about that sometimes when I think about how freaking immature our collective psyche is, our collective perspective here in the United States Mm-hmm. Especially because you know that I, and you do too, we, we travel to these other places, the, the frequency there, the resonance there is like, whoa, it's so, like there's some real medicine on this land and with these people, even if they've opted in to the narrowed paradigm or these constructs in order to quote unquote survive or compete or be seen or whatever, you know, um, there's still this ancient um, intelligence that I find when going down to the Amazon, going over to Egypt, you know, being on the land in the Middle East, uh, in India, in Japan, you know, even when I lived in Japan, one of the things that I was freaked out about when I went to go live there when I was 19 years old Speaking of language, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll mention in a moment, though I had this really romantic idea of, oh, good, I'm, I'm going to be inserting myself into a culture completely unlike my own. You know, I'm 19, 18 or whatever I was and, mm-hmm. and uh, living inside of a language that has no Latin influence whatsoever. And one of the things that freaked me out initially was how westernized the country was. And this was back in the late or the mid 80s when I was there. (laughs) 
and it was super westernized there. So I had to like come to terms with that and seek out the more ancient, the fabric of intelligence and ancient wisdom there, which, which I did touch upon. I'm grateful for that. Though one of the things that I experienced inside of that language, when I came back to the U.S. after being there for a year, in a year to an 18-year-old, 19-year-old is a much longer span of time and experience than it is to a 50-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, it's so much more meaningful because it's the time on earth has been so much less. And so coming back from that year of living inside of the Japanese language, I lived with a Japanese family. I studied Japanese mm-hmm. every single day, you know, every, and it altered my reality. And when I came back to the U.S., well, a couple of things I'll, I'll share. Though When I came back to the U.S., it took me like over two years to actually arrive. I had culture shock for like two and a half years. And I really noticed that my behaviors were completely like completely altered from here on out because of the language that I was looking at the world through via the Japanese mm. language. It was so fascinating and informative and like it then became like it was pivotal for me noticing that mm. that I in my behavior and the way that I operated with people and in my life changed because of being inside of the language not just the culture the mm-hmm. language the actual language because of the way that that particular language is constructed and the way that it all fits together it was a fascinating understanding for me that's a rare well you travel a lot so you are having experiences with other in other cultures mm-hmm. and a lot of us don't have that mm-hmm. and what i want to lift up is that um, I think it requires humility to absorb, to be open to that. It, it requires humility and willingness to see, hear, perhaps live someone else's truth, someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And I also think it takes courage. So I'm assigning those qualities to you. And in our culture, humility is not valued. It is looked down upon there's an unwillingness to hear a different perspective. And I think that's the coward's way, is not to listen and to know or to think that you know best. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're one of those people that can move through the world and appreciate where you are and the people there as well. I know you won't go to Egypt and then go to McDonald's. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what I was about in Japan like what the heck there's like there's McDonald's here there's Kentucky I was so freaked out by that I was so yeah. shattered by that oh my god so yeah, it's economic colonization for real with, I, yeah. I, I was so oh, infuriated I was infuriated by that yeah well thank you Tony. what do you think well, I think here here is something that I feel. You know, this quote that you sent me from Toni Morrison. First, in just tuning in with her and bowing, bowing, bowing before her and her legacy 
as she continues to unfold her magnificence, even now, even now, mm-hmm. you know, that she flies gloriously. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for, her, for her voice, for her life, for her presence, for her beauty, for her grace, for her depth, for her raw realness, for her cutting it to the quick, for yes. her creativity, her inspiration. There are two words that Ram Das put together that I think fit her exactly. Mm. And it, they are fierce grace. Hmm. Gosh. Definitely, that fits her in my mind. Mm-hmm. In my mind. And Kate, I I want to thank you for suggesting that we change the topic. Yeah. And yeah. I want well, to thank it, you for it, this it, conversation. I I'm so grateful that you opened up to it too. You're welcome, and thank you as well, Tony. So I want to say with Ms. Morrison's legacy that we are committed. I I mean, I know that we're committed because here we are, right? We're committed to looking at at this thing of language. And this won't be, I'm sure, the only time that we ever touch upon it, you know, the power of language. And she has called us into, like, let's just speak about this right now because so much of what humans build is constructed by language Mm -hmm. and how we put the words together. I mean, just amazing. It is. It is. So this, you know, in the, in the deep bow to Madam Morrison, you know, I just, I know that we're, committed to this to her legacy and i'm so grateful that you sent me this article this morning thank you so much oh you're so welcome (laughs) and i look forward to hearing from our listeners yes uh, hearing their thoughts uh, getting any feedback and we'll be here next week Mm -hmm. with something Something. Something, (laughs) so thank you for listening Yes, thank you. Thanks for being here with me. Appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. Lots of love, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Kate and I invite you to subscribe to She Spotlight as we continue our inquiry to the feminine wave.